Greetings, folks. Welcome to episode 95 of the Far Beyond Metal podcast. I'm your host and guide on this metal journey, Daniel Cordova. In this episode, Mikey D from Motorhead discusses his first band, and I recommend the thrash outfit, Primal Creation. Before all that, I welcome Old Drake onto the program. Old Drake's the lead guitarist and now vocalist of the English thrash band Evile. Over the last 17 years, Evile have been bringing a modern twist on classic thrash like few others have. And after eight years and some lineup shifts, Evile are about to release their fifth album, Hell Unleashed, on April 30th. Drake came on to discuss his life on Twitch, learning to be a frontman, cover songs, The Simpsons, and more. So before we dive in, here's some of Gore from Evile's Hell Unleashed. Hello again. How are you? Hello again. I'm okay again. How are you again? <laughs> I'm doing well again. Thank you for speaking to me again again. Um, yeah, I don't last on Monday. Like I checked the recording. We started off great. Then for some reason, your entire end just became static despite me hearing you normal through my headphones. That's more information I... than you really need, but uh, that's what <laughs> happened. <laughs> shall, I, shall I record on my end just in case? You know, maybe I've got us. Yeah. I'm going through a different route this time via like a little handheld recorder and stuff, and I can uh, see yeah. it looking normal right now. But you know, my trust has been shaken. <laughs> okay, I'm recording now, just in case. All right, thanks. And I'm gonna try and make it not too um, Groundhog Day for us, where we're re- reliving the same thing, but we're probably gonna tread on some of the same territory. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I, I imagine doing press for a record, you kind of answering the same dozen questions, but uh. I've got all the answers um, pre-recorded on a on a voice note thing, so I I just play them. <laughs> you know, I actually once did an interview for this podcast with a guy who you had to email him the questions first, and he recorded his answers and sent them back. And I kind of had the the feeling that some of these were like pre-prepared anyway, so like I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, you got like a soundboard <laughs> ready for for everything. Yeah, it would save time, but no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's go ahead and just dive in with, um, you know, the the whole. Uh, how's your your life been in this weird COVID time that we're currently living in? Um, it's been it's been good to be honest. I, I think the the lockdown thing has had a silver lining for us because um, I got furloughed from work, which yes was was a reduce in wage, but we got to have more time with the family. Um, I could help out more. Um, uh, it, it gave us more time to concentrate on the music. You know, the, the music was actually finished for the album, but it gave us the opportunity to listen to it more and perfect things. It also got me streaming on Twitch. And, yeah, it, it was it was actually okay for us. <laughs> now, when you say you guys were able to kind of, like, revisit the music a little bit, what sort of punch-ups did you wind up doing? Like, what, what didn't feel right a year ago or whatever that felt better this time? Well, the, the thing is... Um, I could write a song for 10 years and and it could never be finished. So a year prior to that, the song was finished. Say, for example, I'd listen to it and think, yeah, that's fine. And then the more I'd listen to it, there'd be just tiny details that would bug me and I'd have to figure out why it bugged me. And then eventually something would, I, I would figure out what was wrong and then change it and then it would be an improvement 
So it's just if I just accepted it was finished and never listened to it again, um, I I wouldn't be happy. So I have to listen to it constantly until you know I'm 100% happy. But there is a point where I have to stop listening. <laughs> Now, do you feel like the same way for any of your earliest songs that you wish you could redo them or, or the, is it like somebody from the past and you're kind of doing a cover of yourself in a way? Yeah, there's all, there's always, I listen back and there's just a few things that I thought, oh, I wish we would have taken the time just to add that or even it goes, it gets down to the tiniest details of, I wish there was a symbol hit there just to accent that, that part. But you know, it's, that's just it's going a bit too far, that I think. <laughs> and uh, how did you wind up getting into Twitch? Because that's kind of a big thing right now, I imagine, with everyone being at home. Yeah, I I started watching Matt Hafey from Trivium, and I didn't fully understand what Twitch was. And <clears throat> I got talking to Matt, just asking for advice, and then a guy I know called Chris helped me set mine up just to give it a go. And... I I really enjoyed it. It's, we just basically hang out for a couple of hours. I play some songs. Uh, we do like a Q&A and play a few games. And it's just a fun thing to do. It's really cool. And have you like, how do you deal with the kind of being vulnerable on there? Because like I've, I, I think of the idea is really cool, but it's not something I could see myself doing because it feels like casting something into the abyss. And then, but you know, you get your instant gratification. So you're being watched. It's like welcome voyeurism or something. Yeah, I think I, I don't I don't reveal too much. You know, I, I like uh, bands to be a bit of a mystery at times. So I will get questions about songs and albums and the band, and I, I would I just won't answer some because you know it's, it reveals too much. And I, I always look at it like if when I was sixteen, if like Alex Skolnick or Jeff Waters was on something like this, I would be there every single night. And I just look at it that way, that there must be some of our fans that that want me to do this, and they, they keep turning up, so I keep doing it. I imagine Jeff Waters' stream would be him uh, talking about how much he loves Coca-Cola products. Did you know that about him? He loves Coca-Cola products. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I have noticed over the years, it's Coca-Cola and Eddie Van Halen. I've got to talk to him about it, and he doesn't actually even drink Coke. He just thinks the like, logo is cool or something. It's really strange. Yeah. <laughs> But I guess it's just like any collector, isn't it? It's that they collect things that they like. I, I used to collect comics, and I didn't really overly co read comics. <laughs> you know, I, I can totally relate to that. I have a stack of comics I've not read, but for some reason, I'm like, maybe one day I'll get to this Daredevil omnibus. Yeah, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's chat about the record a bit, of course. Uh, it's been a bunch of years since Skull, and you left for a while since then. How has uh, balancing the band and family been for you in like your, your second tenure with the band? It's been good. I think the, the reason I initially left um, isn't really an issue anymore because you know I've, I've come to terms a lot more with the fact that being in a metal band has to be a hobby these days and it can't be your career. So I, I was working on getting the band to a point where, you know, we wouldn't need jobs and blah, blah, blah. But it's, you know, it's, it's not going to happen. I'm, I'm much more um, to come to terms with that. And at the moment, my priority is family and job and everything else comes after that. And just trying to fit in as much eval as possible. That's, that's the goal really. So uh, things are a lot different now. 
And uh, looking at setlist.fm as a resource for um, the band, it looks like only a handful of shows been played with you since you've been back, but with a new record coming out and being in a metal band, which you said isn't going to be necessarily your sole career. Uh, do you see yourself doing more live stuff? I know there's a handful of festival dates that, you know, could, ha- could happen one day, but is touring in the plans and that kind of thing, like coming to the States or something? Yeah, definitely. We're still going to do um, as much touring as we physically can, uh, considering time away from work, family, and all that. Uh, but we're, we're looking at booking some UK dates in early 2022, um, because that's literally the, the earliest we can book some ga- uh, gigs. And we definitely want to get back to North America. We, we want to finally get to South America as well, because we apparently have quite a big following down there. Um, you know, back to Europe, which is a very complicated at the moment with um, Brexit. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's become too expensive for a lot of UK bands to even consider. And, you know, back to Scandinavia, well, everywhere, basically, you know, everywhere that will have us. <laughs> uh, do you think in the meantime, like in the immediate future, you guys could do some sort of live stream for your new album? Uh, we talked about it, but it's it's just not something we're into. I mean, I understand that it's, I understand the benefits and that it, it is cool for people to see, but we, we just don't want to. I mean, the... The Twitch stream I do is it's a different animal. It's um, it's just kind of hanging out. It's not really a performance, you know. I, I'm allowed to mess up. No one really cares. But if you do like a live performance, it's different. We we just we rather play to humans and have that feeding back. Uh, it's like a cycle of energy, and we you won't get that from a camera. And it just doesn't sit right with us at the moment. Maybe in a few years we might do a live stream, but we we. We just want to get back into venues, really. I imagine seeing those little stickers dancing around a Twitch channel isn't the same as seeing a mosh pit. <laughs> it's not. It's still fun, but it's it's really not the same. Uh, then the big story around this album, of course, is you transitioning to vocals. How has that jump been for you? The jump has actually been fine. Um, I was actually... I was mostly confident about it, but because I'd not done vocals before... Um, I was slightly worried because when I did the the demo vocals, um, I could taste blood, and for a few days afterwards, my my voice was really low, and I could feel that it was quite quite damaged. So I really worked with the producer Chris Clancy in the studio because uh, he's been a singer for about twenty years professionally. and he really, really helped me out. He actually saved the album if if it wasn't for him it would have either not been released or would have sounded horrible because the first week of recording, I think we did five songs worth of vocals and then we figured out how to do my voice and we, we found like my comfort zone and how it sounded great. And then we listened back to those five songs that were recorded and it, it sounded like, I don't even know the word to use, just terrible. So we had to re-record all of them. But if that hadn't have happened, I can't even imagine how bad the album would have been. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you said on the Metal Injection livecast that you're still learning to sing properly. What sort of steps are you taking other than, you know, talking with Chris? And did you did you protect, uh, perhaps like reach out to your brother about uh, how to do vocals? 
Yeah, I asked I asked Matt some um, advice early on, uh, but um, Matt he couldn't tell me too much because you know over the phone it's hard to teach something, and then we just didn't talk about it again. So um, I was actually speaking to um, Melissa Cross, the vocal coach, and um, I was just telling her the situation, and uh, she's she's helping me out at the moment with just how to get my voice to a point where it won't get damaged when playing live. So she's really helping me out. So I'm basically doing some of her, um, I don't techniques, uh, warm ups and exercises to actually train my voice to be stronger and more healthier. There's some really strange and bizarre things that you have to do that I, I, I have to do them in my car. I don't do them around people because you'll just sound and look strange there's, there's exercises like try to touch your nose with your tongue and then your chin and then do it left and right out of your mouth and then do it in like a clockwise motion and then anti-clockwise and if you're sat there doing that you're just gonna get locked up <laughs> I'm, I'm literally doing it right now as you're describing it yeah so i'm glad we're not doing this in person actually natalie's doing it as well she's <laughs> <laughs> A friend of mine uh, was looking into kind of vocal tips years ago, and he spent maybe a month straight just kind of going mm, and humming. Uh, yep. Have you been doing stuff like that as well? Yeah, it's it's a combination of humming and um, it, it's just it's so hard to explain. Um, just certain ways that vowels hit your mouth and your head that you have to picture uh, like Cyclops from the X-Men is, <laughs> is a good analogy for what I'm currently learning. It's kind of like a beam of sound. Uh, I can't explain it any further than that, okay. but it, it makes sense to me. <laughs> Bring it back to comic books. Nice. Um, yes. was a bit of thrasher from evile's debut enter the grave i'll have more with old drake in a moment but first this is my first band every musician has a start somewhere in this episode mikey d from motorhead and scorpions discusses his first band <laughs> my first band was called young purple young purple oh like wait were you deep purple but somehow deep purple yeah we did a bunch of well we didn't do a bunch of purple songs we only knew smoke on the water and, <laughs> and uh, you know i mean we're talking i was seven years old and Oh, shit. My guitar player was nine. <laughs> so that was the absolute first bunch of guys that, that I was hanging out with. And we uh, we played as good as we could. But, you know. I mean, you're seven. That's still impressive. Yeah. No, listening back to some, we, we recorded some on the cassette deck, you know, on a, with a microphone. And it's, it's hilarious to hear, you know. Put that it's out. Let's fun. hear it. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny as hell, though, I'll tell you. I had some man-made drums as well. I didn't even 
play on the real drum kit then we we made all kinds of instruments and uh, it was it was fun it was great On April 23rd, Motorhead are releasing the live album Louder Than Noise live in Berlin, which is a live set from 2012. This is a must-have for Motorhead fans, and get your copy over at motorheadmusic.store. Then hear my full chat with Mikey over on episode 93. You can find that at farbeyondmetalpodcast.com slash episodes. Now before I wrap my conversation with old Drake from Evile, here's a bit of the title track from their upcoming album Hell Unleashed. On the new record, there's a pretty sweet cover of Mortician's Zombie Apocalypse. What drew you to take on that track? Uh, I've been a fan of death metal since I was maybe, I can't remember, maybe 13, 12 or something. Um, I didn't actually know about death metal. I watched Ace Ventura and the band in the film, I just didn't, I didn't pay any attention to it because I didn't understand metal at the time. And I've got a really good musical memory that I didn't even know of at the time. And I heard some Cannibal Corpse and Hammer Smash first came on. And I thought, I know that from somewhere, but I didn't think anything of it. And then I watched Ace Ventura later and those two riffs matched up in my head. And I thought, holy shit, that's Cannibal Corpse. And that's when I got into death metal. And then other than Cannibal Corpse, Dayside, Obituary, Death, I got into Mortician, and most of the people I knew, just, they didn't understand or like Mortician. They were like, no, it's, I, I, it just sounds like noise. And I thought that's that's pretty rich coming from someone who likes death metal. But anyway, um, the song Zombie Apocalypse, it, it's mainly the riff. That main riff is such a cool and underrated riff in metal that I just had to put it in a song. I, I had to do a cover, and... It's it's basically an excuse to play that song live, if I'm honest, because it's such a good song, and I just can't wait to play it. It was just an excuse. <laughs> uh, I love that your introduction to death metal was Ace Ventura, because I think it's wild that they're in that movie. My like, I knew of like harder rock when I was a kid, but like, what really got me to decide to like check out Metallica of all things was the Mission Impossible 2 soundtrack and their song I Disappear 
And then, oh, of course, okay. I went backwards, but it's it's a similar kind of seed was planted, but of all things, yeah. <laughs> Tom Cruise movie. It's actually, it's actually a really good song, I Disappear. I don't mind that song. Oh, yeah. I still, like, the first time I saw him, they played it, and I was like, oh, my God, this is, like, the most meaningful moment of my life. And uh, <laughs> I think I saw him do, like, a chunk of it a few years back. But, yeah, uh, underrated tune. Yeah, very, very. Uh, has there ever been a, a cover song or a song that you guys attempted to cover and it just like fell flat to you guys? You just didn't like fall through. And if so, what songs? Um, <clears throat> no, okay. um, I think every song we've tried to cover, we put everything into it and made sure it was good. Um, yeah, not, not a single one. We, uh, the Metallica stuff we we mastered anyway because we used to be a Metallica covers band, um, and then we've covered like Nirvana, Pantera, mm. um, Entombed, Meta- well Metallica again. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we, we put a lot of work into it. Uh, to we we try and do the songs justice. I I, I understand when people say um, you know put your own spin on a cover, but. I, I don't agree. I, I I try and stay really true to the songs because that's that's what the song is. And that's just my opinion. <laughs> no, makes sense. Uh, here's a question that's truly psychotic that uh, crossed my mind as I was like r- looking through your albums and stuff like that. Uh, most Evil records have on their standard edition have nine tracks. Is there a significance in nine tracks for you guys? I think three of the five do. Um, no, (laughs) it's never been a conscious decision. The conscious decision was on this album, we were going to have eight tracks. We thought eight's a really cool, you know, like 80s kind of amount. I know Ride the Lightning has eight. I think Master of Puppets has eight. Um, I might be wrong, but I thought eight was a really cool amount. And we thought, let's do Zombie Apocalypse as a bonus track. And because that's usually what a label wants, they want some extra content. And then I asked the label, like, oh, so what do you want for the the B side or the bonus track? And they said, oh, we don't just just do the album. So we thought, right, let's just put Zombie Apocalypse on the album, make it nine. (laughs) (laughs) I think nine's a good amount. You you don't want a too long album. Mm -hmm. I know, like, um, and Justice for All, I always feel is a bit too long. I, I like to listen to an album in the car and it finish like about the time that I get to where I'm going. That's why rain and blood is such a good album. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got 20 minutes to kill or something? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, was, was it a challenge to essentially have to rebuild this band with Ben? Cause when you came back, you know, everything has changed since then. No, not really because um, for all intents and purposes, it's essentially the original lineup, just minus Matt, because you know we lost Mike in two thousand nine, and that's that's unavoidable. So, in, in a strange way, you can look as, at Joel as the Eval basis. I, I don't see him as a new member, if you know. It's, it's a strange, it's a strange thing to consider, but yeah, I, I still see him as an orig- original member, as as odd as the situation is. And then with Matt leaving, um, I think the dynamic had got to a point where we could see that coming. So 
it wasn't a huge leap to start the new lineup because we felt like it was a, a fresh start uh, back to square one. And with the addition of Adam, he's just a really laid back, relaxed, chilled out guy. And, you know, he's young, so he's got the energy for all this that <laughs> we don't have. Uh, so it's, it's all positives, really. It's, it's We're really looking forward to it. And, and in the press release for this album, uh, there's a comparison to yourself doing vocals, being inspired by Chuck from Death. And But like, of course, the comparison that jumps out to me is closer to Jeff, who we've already talked about in Annihilator, getting on vocals, which then led me down a rabbit hole to find a cover of you doing uh, Phantasmagoria on your channel. Uh, safe to assume you're a huge Annihilator fan? Yeah, I'm, I think Jeff is um, my biggest um, influence and inspiration on guitar. Uh, Kirk Hammett and Metallica obviously uh, kicked things off for me, but uh, Jeff is the guitarist that I heard and uh, became fascinated by because I, I wanted to understand like how you make those sounds like on, on lead guitar. And he's, he just happens to be an amazing rhythm guitarist as well. So I spent a good eight years learning everything that Annihilator had done, including solos. And I think Jeff's style just kind of bled into the way I was learning guitar. So I owe a lot to Jeff and I'll never pretend that I don't steal his style. Um, but yeah, Annihilator is a, a huge influence on me. Do you collect Jeff Waters stuff like he collects Van Halen stuff? That'd be cool. <laughs> no i just bought some of his cds that's about it <laughs> uh your solo album that you've put out is uh instrumental stuff but has your shift going to becoming the vocalist of evil inspired you to do uh solo vocal stuff now yeah i'm i'm actually i'm 50 50 on it because i do want to do another solo album but i haven't decided yet if i should go down the similar route of you know a, a steve Vai style album or something a bit more progressive with vocals or maybe even like a, a death metal project, but I'm, I'd probably have to give it a different name. Um, I'm really undecided at the moment. Everything's like busy at the moment and my, my brain can't concentrate on the second solo album. So I, I think I'm leaning more towards the instrumental stuff, but it could be cool to put some vocals on. I just know, I know what it's like when it, an instrumental guitarist sings. I think um, Steve Vai did some vocals, and I just went, mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just want to hear you play guitar. <laughs> I did not know that Steve Vai did vocals. I know he had Townsend do Sex and Religion. Yeah. Yes, um, I'm sure there is some some stuff with Steve Vai singing. Oh wow! Uh, uh, unless it was a dream, and I made that up. <laughs> And your solo album is is closer to Steve I than it is Evile. But have you is there like a, a rule about you making Evile songs that are proggier or, or shreddier? Uh, are you guys strictly thrash and thrash only, or you know, thrash based? I guess you could say without sort of you know. Yeah, I think we try and stay thrash based, but it's not like a conscious decision. It's just um, that's what we know to do. Um, but in, in terms of uh, progressive stuff. We only really dabbled in that on our second album, but that was a conscious decision. We, we kind of wanted to um, just experiment more, and we didn't want to 
make another retro thrash album because the first one was very, you know, ripped jeans, high top trainers, sneakers, and it's we we wanted to get away from that approach and and get a bit more serious about things. Uh, so it did go a bit progressive at, at times, but since then there's no rules really we we just if it sounds good it's it's good and sometimes we have to um step back a bit like there's some riffs that are like oh that, that's a bit that's a bit too groovy if you know what i mean it's it's that could be bordering on new metal <laughs> to some people so that's the only time we have rules where it's like ah it's a bit too you know there's a riff on the new one where I can't remember which song, but it's like a double kick thing. And for months, I was debating with myself, like, can we do that? Is that going to be heard as like, a, I don't, I don't even know the different styles of metal anymore. But uh, I eventually just decided to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like something I encountered because I also am a, a writer, um, and people get so caught up in subgenres of metal that it it kind of takes away from just like making music. So yeah. Uh I I am glad you threw that riff on there. I I'm going to go listen for it now and I praise you for it already. I think it's the end of wait one second. Disorder, the very last part of Disorder, I thought this this kick accent thing isn't going to work but the more i heard it i just thought yeah it sounds cool so that's that's the only thing that matters i will go listen for that after our chat um <laughs> in my research i came across a couple simpsons things that surround you um are you a big simpsons fan yes a huge simpsons fan uh we when we talked on monday complete peek behind the curtain for my listeners um you mentioned that you were going to go check out some simpsons episode either following our chat or soon did you follow up on that which ones did you watch if so uh, no, because Liar. I haven't had time. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I I barely have time to um, do these interviews. <laughs> well, then I appreciate it even more. Um, yeah. Who are some of your like favorite characters from the show? Well, well, old Homer. Homer is just unbeatable. Um, Barney's great. Uh, who else? There's so many good characters in in The Simpsons. I think one of my one of my most favorite characters is um, you know where Homer gets the job at the uh, I can't remember. It's Hank Scorpio. Works, oh yeah, works for him. Uh, he, he is such he's such a good character. He's only in one episode. Um, uh, but yeah. I think I think Homer is always going to be my favorite one, but I think that the later episodes they've they've made him kind of just stupid. Like b before, he was kind of like dopey and comical, and now it's just like he's he's just stupid. <laughs> That's true. They went too far. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thank you for talking to me again today. Uh, this one appears to have gone better on my end, so hurray. Um, <laughs> I, thank I, you for having me. Uh, enjoy the rest of your evening, and uh, thanks again, dude. And you, Daniel. Take care.
Hell Unleashed by Evile will be out on April 30th via Napalm Records. You can pre-order a copy now over at evile.bandcamp.com and then follow the band at facebook.com slash eviluk. That's E-V-I-L-E-U-K. Now to wrap this episode, I am keeping the thrash going with Primal Creation. Primal Creation are a progressive thrash band from Belgium that formed in 2007. They're a band for fans of Creator, Death Angel, and the likes. On April 16th, they released their second album, Newsfeed. From that record here is Watch It Burn in its entirety. Truth is what it is! 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 Truth is
copy of newsfeed now over at primalcreation.bigcartel.com and then follow primal creation at facebook.com slash primal creation band as always i'd like to invite you to head over to farbeyondmetalpodcast.com there you can find all your feeds for the show depending on your stitcher your apple your amazon your spotify whatever you want to do it's probably there there i've got a store if you're in a band you can hit talk to me and we can uh, get you on the show if you are a up-and-coming band want to be featured as the recommendation or if you just want old episodes farbeyondmetalpodcast.com slash episodes for all the old episodes then the theme song is far beyond metal by the band strapping young lad from their album the new black courtesy of century media records and devin townsend himself thank you for listening a catbox production